Well, today is, is a day that uh, not only has mixed emotions because of some of the announcements, but it's a day where we come to the grand finale of our recent series dealing with a parable of analyzing soil samples. And I hope that as you have been tuned in over these past few weeks, that you have gained a great deal of respect for the parable of the sowing of the seed. I have um, not only learned so much by studying this and preparing for each Sunday, but even in my own practical life, I'm pretty proud of myself because this weekend, uh, here we are, the grand finale of this series, but yesterday I planted a plant. And um, my wife asked me to plant a flower, which is called a cone flower. And so I took my crowbar and I went out in front of the house and started digging. And uh, you know what that's like. And uh, I dug down a little bit and made a hole big enough uh, that um, would handle the plant. And then also I tried to put to practice some of the things that I've learned, you know, the good soil. Get those rocks out of there. Get that Boston ivy out of there that chokes out everything. Make a nice clear spot where I can put this plant in. And um, I did so. And not only did I do that, but I took a piece of rebar, which is a piece of steel, and I drove it in beside the plant. Hope I don't, didn't kill it but I put a tag on there like some of you do to show what this plant is. Pretty proud of myself. Then after that, I went and worked on a um, window box and a brand new window box that was fabricated by uh, Mr. King's Rider for us and um, drilled some holes in it, put some gravel in the bottom so it would drain properly. And here again, put into practical application what we have been studying quite proud of myself, but then I got to thinking that I could be a redneck gardener. Now, redneck is a term that is used in this part of the country. There's even a trailer place here called Redneck Trailer. But I thought, hey, I'm a redneck gardener. And when I thought about this term, I looked it up and found out that the term deals with a white American who is somewhat unsophisticated, rural whites of southern United States. Another term is that of hillbilly. I guess I could somewhat qualify for that, but then the more I thought about it, when it came to gardening, I found an article that was titled, You Might Be a Redneck Gardener. And so as I read that article, it said, you might be a redneck gardener if you mow your lawn and find a wheelbarrow in the grass. <laughs> you might be a redneck gardener if you think a chainsaw is a musical instrument. You might be a redneck gardener if and when you move your refrigerator, the grass underneath it is yellow. Or you might be a redneck gardener if you know how many bags of fertilizer you can put in your car. Or you could be a redneck gardener if you've ever cleaned your house with a leaf blower. Or if you've ever emptied your trash when you had enough to fill up your pickup truck. Or you might be a redneck gardener if you have been cited for reckless driving on your riding lawnmower. 
And then finally, you could call yourself a redneck gardener if you have to move your weed eater in your bathroom to take a bath. Well, for sure, I discovered that's not me. I'm somewhat a little bit more uh, sophisticated than that. And if I've stepped on some toes this morning, I do apologize, but we come to this place of analyzing the soil. As we have studied this entire parable, we've read about a farmer sowing seed on four different types of soil, and the motive is hoping for a harvest. So in a way of review, we find that the sower sows his seed very liberally, throwing it here, throwing it there, throwing it all over the place. We have found that some lands upon the path, some lands among the thorns, others land um, in the rocky soil, and then we find that some lands among the great soil, the good soil. The farmer in this parable, or the sower, is the minister of the gospel. It's you. It's myself. Not a minister with a reverend in front of their name, but one who claims to be a Christian, one who is a follower of Jesus Christ. The seed is that of the gospel, the word, our life, which is an example, hopefully, of Jesus Christ. And then we find that the four soils represent the four ways in which the gospel is received. We see that the soil, uh, the seed can fall on hard soil, the rocky soil or the rocky heart, the thorny soil and the good soil. And when we share the gospel with others, I hope that we have come and learned the conclusion that not everyone's going to accept the gospel. That includes people that live next door to you, the person that may work at the desk across the hall, or the individual that may have the same name that you have, last name. It could be a relative. When Jesus preached, only a few received what he had to say. We also find in the book of Acts that as the apostle Paul shared in Acts 28, 24, that when Paul preached, that some believed the things that were spoken and the scripture says some believe not. Not everyone who hears the word will believe it. But Jesus says in Luke, the eighth chapter, in the eighth verse, he who has an ear, let him hear. I hope that we are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we continue reviewing this parable, we've looked more closely at this parable. We see that the sower, as I mentioned, has four different grounds that the seed falls upon. A little more in detail, the wayside heart or the hard soil is the hardened heart. It is the hardened person that is broken by the forces of this world. And it seems like the seed does not penetrate into that person's heart. That person needs the power of the Holy Spirit, the reign of the Holy Spirit to soften the heart. And then we have the rocky soil or the rocky heart. They are the hearts that allow only shallow roots to form. And because there's no depth to the roots, the word begins to grow. But when the sun comes and bears upon that plant, it withers away. And then there is that heart of that person of the thorny soil, 
the soil where the word grows deep and rich, but ultimately loses the battle due to competition, the competition of worry. You remember we spoke a lot about worry, that some of us are guilty of worrying about things that will never happen, things that have happened, and we just worry about things that take our life over, and as a result, we find that worry is responsibility that God never intended us to have. That's the thorny soil. The battle of competition with worry, riches, and pleasures of this world. So today, on this grand finale Sunday, we are going to look at a passage that's found in Luke, the 8th chapter, verse number 8, and I'd like to have us look at verse number 15. So as we look at verse number 8, the scripture says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever hears or has an ear to hear, let them hear. And then verse number 15 gives a little greater explanation of this account. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, who retain it, and by persevering, they produce a crop, the good soil. Hear now the name of Jesus. That was a wonderful hymn. Hear now the name of Jesus Christ. The person with a good soil heart hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know what? That person is no different than the other soils. You remember the other soils also have that opportunity to hear. The seed is scattered in the same way upon the soil, the good soil, as the other types of soil. This person hears the exact same word or the seed as the first soil, the second, or the third. He or she hears it with excitement, perhaps like the second soil. He or she lives in the exact same world with all of its lies and all of its temptations as the third soil. The difference of good soil is the roots go deep and the roots produce a harvest in good season. The harvest can be, as one text says in, in the gospel 30, 60, this text says a hundredfold. Can you imagine the production that takes place in the life of a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, the good soil, which I hope is what the viewer this morning is exercising in his or her heart. Those of us that are in this room, that we would be uh, good soil. And how did the seed of the good soil become fruitful? Well, Jesus says in John, the 12th chapter, in verse number 24 of that gospel, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. What is that message to us? The message to us is the price of being fruitful is dying to one's self so that the life of Jesus Christ may live through our life. That we get out of the way and let Christ come into our life, and that's the key to good soil prepared for a seed to bear fruit. The hard ground has to be plowed. The hard ground has to be broken up. Weeds have to be removed and stones removed. 
The seed planted has to be watered. It has to be nourished. In New England, we are known to have many stone walls. As a kid driving and as I go back to New England today, it is a common sight and it is a sight that can be missed if you're not careful. As you drive along the roads, you see that there are stone walls. The stones may not be stacked too neatly, but they're high enough to keep the cattle in that field. It is said that when those fields were harvested, when those fields were prepared, all the stones would come to the edge of the field and the farmer would make a wall. He killed two birds with one stone because the stones literally were used as a fence so the cattle would stay in that field. Today, you may be an individual here that's discouraged. You may be someone that's worried. Maybe perhaps you're overtaxed about an, uh, a concern that you have of an unsaved friend or a loved one. I want you to notice as we look at this parable that the soil <clears throat> cannot do anything by itself. It's the sower, it's the farmer, it's the minister, it's Jesus Christ, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does it all, plows up the field, removes the weeds, plants the seed, the gospel, and makes it bear fruit. The soil lies barren without these things being done by the sower or the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing relationship of our heart and our heart with Jesus Christ, the sower that brings the seed to fruitation as we keep that relationship with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same in our spiritual life. An ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ brings about spiritual fruit in due season. This is an orchard this morning. It's an orchard for those that are listening who are followers of Jesus Christ. Fruit is being uh, brought forth. In this parable, the sower, the farmer, the minister, Jesus Christ, or each one of you, is always the same. It's the same seed, the same gospel is sown on each soil. It's the soil of the heart which determines the results and how much fruit is going to be produced. May our hearts be filled with good soil. Yesterday, as I dropped that potted plant into the soil, I thought about some of you that have shown me your gardens. And I thought, what in the world would they do here? And so I went and got some good potting soil and put it around that plant, hoping that it's going to make it, hoping that it's going to produce. In our previous series in the book of Philippians, the signature picture each week was that because the series was titled Restoration, it was a picture of my 1963 Avante. In my 1963 Studebaker Avante, there is a cosmetic section that's built into the dash. Now, most people do not know that, but Studebaker was so far ahead of its time in 1963, they produced a common-looking drop-down glove compartment. But there was a tray in that glove compartment that slid out, and the, a mirror would pop up. Underneath that mirror, your passenger, in most cases, hopefully, was a female, and she kept all of her cosmetics there. And so while driving down the road, instead of looking up at a visor and looking up at a mirror, they could look straight ahead 
and they could do their cosmetic things. I also sold Mercedes Benz for a period of time, and the Germans were people that would put you in a car, and they would engineer the car around you. At that time, the Americans would build a car, and they would put you in the car. For years, as people came in and looked at this uh, sophisticated automobile, they would ask me, where is the mirror that I can put my cosmetics on or check my hair? Mercedes-Benz refused to put mirror or glass in a visor or elsewhere because if there was ever a crash, it's the first thing that would enter your forehead or the top of your head. But Studebaker Avante had this cosmetic mirror. Recently, I showed this car at a show, and I pulled out the glove box, and I had it propped up, and you could see the mirror in the cosmetic section. More people looked at that than they did the whole automobile. Well, a mirror is important in our life today. As a kid, I used to go out on a truck with my brother-in-law, and I was a teenager, and in order to keep me off the streets, I would go with him to deliver grain for Ralston Perina. I remember him teaching me how to comb my hair in the back. I never combed it in the back. I only combed my hair in the front. The back of my head looked like an explosion of a mattress factory. He showed me how to hold the mirror so I could see the back of my head and comb it properly. This parable that we look at today, likewise, the parable is intended to be held up in front of the hearers of Jesus Christ. It is intended to be a mirror, a mirror for them to see where they stood in their relationship with God, to look and see if their relationship with God was one that was top priority. That mirror as we close out this section, is before us today. In other words, what soil describes you today? What soil describes your heart? As you look into this mirror of a parable, what do you see? Individuals that are watching today, what is this mirror saying to you? Which soil are you? But most importantly, what soil do you want to be? In an age when the church is becoming increasingly irrelevant to the daily life of people, when the message of the church seems to increasingly fall upon deaf ears, and when the truth of God's word is being mocked, and in the life of so many it is appearing to be meaningless and unattainable, Jesus speaks these words to us today. A paragraph that I have shared weekly to remind us how relevant this parable is. Jesus probably ended this parable with a soil that is so desirable, a soil that should be sought after, something to be uh, hold, and he calls it the good soil. I know that he did it purposely. The characteristics, we have learned that the good ground is marked by rich, um, fertile soil that has been prepared for the seed. It has been tended well, and it has been weeded with care. There are deep roots that lead to healthy and vibrant living plants. And last of all, we see that there is fruit. 
So the good heart is one that is described in Luke 8, the 15th verse. Let's revisit this verse. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who, what, hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, they produce a crop. So we find that the characteristic of the good soil to help me out this morning and to help each one of us as we come to a close of this series, we find that we hear the word with an honest and good heart. Remember the contrast here, the rocky heart that received the word with joy, so much excitement, but the rocky heart didn't produce any roots. The good heart hears with a deep, steady interest in the meaning and the application of what Jesus Christ says. The good and honest heart is the heart that receives the word as more than just a good idea. Or, wow, this is really something. This is an excellent teaching. Or this is a nice thought that Jesus has given us. A good heart receives the word of God as the word of God. The truth. The everlasting truth. It is the authority that we can build upon. God's word is not just a suggestion, but is something that is of truth. The good heart also, the scripture says, retains. It retains the seed or it retains the gospel. The word retain here is a word that means to possess it. We take charge. We hold on to it. We buy into it. We possess it possess it. it. We make it our own. And, and, and the word here of the seed is not just a word. It's a word for me. It's not just a message, but it's a message for me. The love of God is not just a concept. It's a love for me and likewise for each one of you. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is not just a sacrifice, church. It's a sacrifice for me, a sacrifice for you. The word of God is a word for my life, and I must retain it. And what happens when we retain the word of God? What happens to our life? It is transformed. It is changed. The primary difference between good soil and the other soils is the results. What does the scripture say? The scripture said, that was just before our eyes, that it's going to produce a crop. And this is the only soil, by the way, we see that bears uh, fruit. It bears a crop. So what is the fruit of this seed that is planted in each one of us? Is it apples? You know, is it oranges? No. The fruit is that of a transformed life. Galatians 5, and through verse number 28. It is said, but the fruit of the Spirit is that of love, joy. The fruit of the Spirit is that of peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is that of gentleness. It's that of self-control. Against such things there is no law, the writer says. So a life resulting in that of being transformed and that produces a fruit is also a life that adds to the kingdom of God. 
we find that Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, there's a message for each one of us. And that message is to therefore go out into this world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That we are individuals that should teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of this age. We are called to be sowers of the gospel. If your heart is good soil and it's going to produce fruit, may we be faithful sowers. So how do we cultivate the good soil resulting in a good heart? I'm going to give you three D words that are simple words that we can leave with today. First of all, the first word that I think of is that of discipline. The truth is, is that good hearts don't just happen overnight by accident. We didn't wake up this morning and say, hey, you know what? The rest of my life, I'm going to have a good heart. No, it doesn't happen that way. We grow and we produce fruit because we want to. We, we pursue the word and we do so, giving it full attention. And we do so with purpose. Timothy, the fourth chapter, as Paul writes in, in uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promises for the present life and also for the life to come. The Apostle Paul writes to young Timothy. Second word is that of decisions. People make bad decisions. We've all made a few. And the truth of our lives is that they are determined by the decisions that we make. Good decisions lead to good outcomes. Bad decisions lead to bad outcomes. And God has given us the direction for life. And if we ignore it, we will pay the price. Well, pastor, where do you see that? I see it in texts like the text that's found in Joshua. The first chapter in the eighth verse of the book of Joshua, you will read there where he is instructed to not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, that he is to meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in this law. Then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. May God help us in our decision-making process. And then finally, that of devotion. Devotion is something that is super important. The church in our culture, I have read, today is the weakest that it's ever been in history. That is startling. Not because there's not enough churches, not because that there's not enough Bibles, not because there's not enough translations of the Word of God, but it is in such condition because there's not enough devotion to the Word of God and respecting it. We talk about the Word, we study it, we preach it, write books about it, we sing about it, but do we really do what the Word says? May God help us that we would be stronger in this culture that we live in. So what is running our lives? Well, Paul, once again, he writes to the Romans, and it's in um, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg of you, therefore, brethren, 
to present your bodies as living sacrifices, which shall be holy and acceptable unto God, that this should be our true service. Be ye not conformed to this world, but we may be transformed by the renewing and the change of our minds. A warning about being good soil. John gives us that warning in his book in chapters 15 and verses 1 through 8. And what the warning is, is that we cannot sleep. We cannot go idle. We cannot just stay still. God has set a task for us. And our task is one where we must be found faithful. Let us not sleep today, but let us move on and be that good soil. Again, Luke, the 8th chapter, verse number 15 But the ones that fell or the seed that fell on the good ground are those who have heaven heard the word with a noble and good heart. They keep it and they bear fruit with patience. One translation says, may we be patient. So today, after studying this parable, how can we conclude and which way will we conclude? I hope that our decision is nothing less than this fourth soil, that we would become people of good soil. The kind of Christian which pleases the heart of God is not the one that makes the dramatic start and then just burns out, nor is the one who's committed to Christ and slowly choked out by the things of this world. The kind of Christian which pleases God is the one which thoughtfully hears the gospel, that we understand it, we know its implications, and then we consistently grow and we mature because the soil is rich. And all of the soils in this parable represent all of those who hear the word of God. Maybe you are listening to my voice this morning. Maybe you are watching. Maybe you are sitting here, the first soil, was the one that immediately rejected God's word. The second soil quickly accepted it, but soon fell back into the old patterns of sin. The third soil grew, but the pleasures, the riches, the worries of this world choked it out. What is the soil of your heart? It's only the fourth soil that bears the fruit, the soil that we've looked at today. If you are spiritually upset on this day, we must ask ourselves, which of these four soils may we be or are we? Where on the field of life are you today? If you fear that you are not the fourth soil, I want you to take heart today because the word of God instructs you on how to become that fourth soil. We must move past the first soil And we must believe that God's word contains instructions for a life of godliness. We must move past the second soil and get rid of the besetting sins that you may be carrying in your life and that are weighing you down. You must move past the third soil. You must exchange physical and worldly pursuit for that of the spiritual, that Jesus Christ would be the center of your life. Only then will you become that fertile soil, the fourth soil, where Christ will do a work in you. Today, Jesus Christ knocks at the door of your heart and he says, I will come in 
if you'll accept me and open up your heart to me. If that is you today, I pray that you would say that prayer, that you would allow Christ to come in and to penetrate. And just as I set a flower in the ground, I brought the good soil and brought it around it. Today, it looked pretty healthy. I pray that it will stay that way. And I pray that your desire is that, Lord, I will give you my heart today. I will give you my life today. Lord, do a great work and transformation within me. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you, God, for newness of life. We thank you that you have given us assurance, Lord, and that you have told us that you walk before us, that you are here today to mend hearts. You are here today to take those weeds and, and, and get them out of our lives. Remove the rocks, the plow over the soil by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word that has been shared with us today is a word of knowing and having that assurance that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we have heard the word and we pray that it will not fall upon deaf ears. God, today we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Do a work within each one of us. May we become that fertile soil and produce much fruit. We thank you, God, for forgiving us of our sins and giving us newness in life. And Father, that you, in your great way, in your only way, have done so by giving your life as the ultimate sacrifice for each one of us. God, we praise you and thank you. Hallelujah. Church, if it's your desire today to be that fertile soil, I ask you to stand with me and let us, let us sing a, a prayer. Let us uh, sing a song of dedication unto the Lord. <laughs>